Welcome to College Prep. Yep, that's right. The podcast where students and parents have fun talking all about college prep. We walk you through the process and help you tackle those tough moments where you find yourself wondering, now what? Hey, Aaron, now what? Let's get started with our episode. Brought to you by NSphere College Planning Services. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of College Prep. Yep. <laughs> That's right. It's Erin and Carmelo. We are back again. And now on to today's topic. Didn't do so hot on your SAT? Now what? <laughs> uh, this is something that we hear all the time, right, in our line of work is students getting maybe so sad or frustrated that they didn't do well on their SAT the first time around. But that's actually okay, right, Erin? Yeah, and it's actually totally common. Students these days are taking the test multiple times each. So I think sometimes there's this misconception out there that those smart students are getting a perfect score the first time around. And that's really not the case. That's not typical. Most students these days are studying for the test. They're taking the test multiple times, doing a lot of preparation in between in order to get the highest scores possible. Wait, 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 Erin. Did I just hear you right that students study for the SATs? I thought that was just something that you couldn't study for. Like you just show up, give it your best shot, you learn what you do in school. No, actually, most students should be studying for the SAT. Even if you're a straight-A student doing awesome in high school, the SAT really doesn't match, I would say, the content and the type of work that you're doing in high school. So it absolutely is the kind of test you can study for and that you should study for. Interesting. Okay. So when I take the test, right, I've taken the test and my scores aren't so hot. Uh, Do you think if I'm a parent, Erin, and I get the mail first, I should just maybe keep those scores from the students so they don't get their feelings hurt or get down? I'm a huge proponent of transparency and the student being an active participant in this process. So that does remind me of a time, I want to say this happened two years ago, I was working with a family and we were really, you know, working very hard to get this student ready for the SAT. And granted, he was a student with a bit of test taking anxiety, but for whatever reason, his mom was convinced that he could not handle the scores that he received the first time around. They weren't even that bad. They were actually pretty close to how he was performing on our practice test, but she was convinced that he was just going to take it so hard and be completely defeated and not want to keep studying. So what she did is she emailed me and accidentally included the student on this email saying, let's not tell him about these scores. (laughs) So as you can imagine, he saw the scores anyway, and he actually took it quite well. Um, And so what we did is, as we do with all students, these scores are simply a starting point. Sometimes with students, you know, it's just a matter of getting used to the style of questions you see on the test. Sometimes there's just one content area, maybe one math concept that we were kind of shaky on. So every student's different. There's a lot of factors that go into this. And that's why preparation is so important. This is absolutely the kind of thing where I say practice makes perfect. I'm sitting here just finding it hard to realize, like, what actually 
is a good score or what is a bad score. I mean, obviously we know if you miss one or two questions, that's considered a good score. Uh, But where is that cutoff line, do you think, between good and bad? So that's really different um, from one student to the next, and it really depends on the school. So that's why we do so much work early on with the students in terms of thinking about the kinds of colleges that are a good match for the career path that we're aiming for. And then we can actually do our research ahead of time and start to set goals for ourselves that way and say, well, if I'm interested in this college, what are the test scores that students who are admitted are typically receiving? And that kind of gives us a range that we can aim for. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking because I know that we're encouraging students to start taking these tests earlier and earlier nowadays. Um, Am I correct in assuming that you could even aim to take your first SAT or ACT test for that matter, like the end of sophomore year? Yeah, absolutely. That's really a popular time. The reason I love that is, is students have time then over the summer between their sophomore and junior years to actually get your score report back. When the fall of junior year rolls around, you're really ready to go. And at that point, um, we're hopefully seeing a decent improvement in your scores. Let me ask you something, because you're like the college guru, right? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, When I was going through this process, and when I was in high school, and I won't date myself, um, but I always thought, and I feel like all of my friends just kept saying, like, colleges look down on this if you take this multiple times. Like, if you perform your very best and amazing the first time around, then that's what matters. Actually, it's not really the case anymore. I would say most students these days, at least the students we're working with um, that I've been seeing the past few years, I would say three or four times is closer to the average now. So this is a trend that we've been noticing. Students are taking the test more and more frequently. And colleges in response, you know, they've just changed the way that they look at scores as well. So it seems like most colleges these days, and they'll even tell you, most colleges will either super score or just look at your highest testing data across the board. Is that what super score is then? They take your best from each... Yeah, so super scoring means they'll take your highest reading score and your highest math score and then just combine them and act like that's your SAT score that they'll consider. Okay, so you just said reading and you said math, right? Yeah. What about this new writing section that's kind of new, right? Yeah, so the approach to, I guess I'll I'll say essay so that students know the difference um, because the, the new version of the SAT combines your reading and writing sections, which is more of just a grammar section. Your reading and writing sections, they combine that into one score. Your math section is another score. And then on top of that, there's a, a quote-unquote optional essay section, but some colleges still want to see the score. With that said, I would say it's the least important section of the entire test because many colleges will just look at the college essays that you submit as part of your application, or they'll look at, you know, if you're taking honors or AP. English, they'll look at those grades a little bit more closely. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you should kind of approach the essay like a stop sign, right? Like it's saying stop, but sometimes we think, oh, this is really like stop Chanel if no one's looking, but <laughs> no. <yeah. laughs> now we know how Carmella drives. <laughs> Never mind. Students who are getting your driver's license in. Don't listen to me, but do take the essay section, yes, right? Yes. So take it at least once. That was embarrassing, but hopefully you are not living in my area. Um, I, I think another point that we want to bring up is that we we want students to study, right? We're realizing that you can actually study for the SAT and, like I said, the ACT. Uh, that myth has kind of been debunked. It is possible 
possible and you should study. Um, but I think something that students need to realize is when they get those test scores, they shouldn't just blindly look at them and assume, oh, I'm just going to like start from scratch again, restudy and study everything. Uh, don't you think that it's best for those students to actually look at how they performed and strategize? Oh, of course. I think that's so important. That is something we help students with here at NSphere. When you give us your score reports, we'll help you put together a study plan. And so, for example, maybe I just need an extra 30 points total. And so they might come to me saying, should those 30 points come from the reading section or should I be just focusing on math? And so the answer is really different from one student to the next. It depends on your strengths and your weaknesses. Sometimes students assume, oh, I did worse on reading, so I should really just focus on reading and completely ignore math, and that's where I'll get those extra 30 points. But that's not necessarily the case. If math is your better subject area, maybe it's just a matter of getting an extra two or three math questions right the next time around, and that could be where your 30 points come from instead of the reading. So for every student, it's a little bit different, but it is hugely important to really break down that score report, look at where you were missing questions. Sometimes you might notice trends. You might just notice, hey, I tend to start getting lazy or tired at the end of every section and I'm constantly missing the last four or five questions of every section. So in that case, it could be test-taking endurance and just building up your stamina and being able to maintain your focus a little bit longer. Having fun so far? Make sure to check out our online coaching community on Facebook for full 24-7 access. Looking for one-on-one -on -one help? Check out our website and find out more about our monthly membership options. See which program is right for you. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned till the end of the episode for your free downloadable gift. I think one other thing that's really important to keep in mind is that it is doable to raise your scores. So it is so doable for pretty much every single student. I have never come across a student who wasn't able to squeeze out even an extra 10 or 20 points on their SAT. Um, like I said, practice makes perfect. If you've taken the test only once, there absolutely is room for improvement for pretty much every single student. Um, and so if you're really stuck, if you're lost, if you're not sure how to get started, for our NSphere students, just send me an email, give me a phone call, and we can work together to figure out how we can get you there because I firmly believe that every single student is able to study and able to raise their scores. Uh, for those listeners who are not aware, I would say, um, if, if you didn't know, Erin, I think, missed one point on her SAT, and her brother missed none. Uh, I am just <laughs> curious, Erin, did you retake your test? Did you get that score your first time? I actually did, but okay. in my case, it was, you know, it's, it's sort of an odd case because my mother was so committed to us scoring the absolute best possible that she started us studying when we were in, oh, well, I was in fourth grade. My brother was in first grade. Wow. And so we did a ton of preparation. We took practice tests. We had pretty much every single test book that was published that you could get at the bookstore. <laughs> we owned it and we went through it multiple time. So if you think about this, it was pretty much every summer and on weekends from fourth grade up until 11th grade. So it was a ton of studying. I don't know that, you know, that's necessary for every student. So in my case, I think that's why by the time it was, you know, junior year came around and I actually was sitting for the test for real. 
at that point, I mean, there was pretty much nothing that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> well, I, and I can imagine, right? So that might be the extreme. So please don't take away from today's podcast that we are encouraging you parents uh, to start in fourth grade and you're listening and you're saying, I failed. You have not, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do have one question. Did preparing that much um, and taking all of those tests in advance, do you think it helped like lessen the anxiety when the time actually came? Oh, definitely. I was, okay. I mean, I'll say by that point, I was almost bored when I showed up. <laughs> I felt like I knew the test backwards and forwards. Okay. I knew all of the books. I could almost like recite passages by okay. <laughs> So I was definitely an extreme case, but I do think that can help with test taking anxiety because I know sometimes when students are studying, they only do, you know, maybe 10 questions here, 20 questions there. A lot of students don't practice by doing a full practice mm-hmm. test. And so I would recommend doing a full practice test every so often just to build that endurance, to get used to that, um, because I think it can definitely reduce how anxious students feel when it is the real test taking day. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking, and like these are questions that are just coming to me, but I, I always hear like it's better just to get a good night's rest the night before, make sure you eat a good breakfast. Like if you don't do this, it's going to end up badly for you. There's only a certain amount of time you can study. Uh, are these things important, these like healthy morning before habits, I'll call them, or uh, how much weight do you place in these, Erin? I think they're really important. I'm a really big advocate of not studying the night before. I usually say, go do something outside, be active, relax, eat your favorite thing for dinner, like eat a balanced meal, go to bed early. It's so hard to see you not studying though. Yeah, no, I think the night before, it's just, it's too much. I almost feel like it can have a negative impact on students because I think sometimes it can just ramp up your anxiety and students end up getting more nervous and more unfocused and they're just frazzled. They have trouble sleeping all night. So that's why I say I think exercise the day before is really important. And then one big tip that I have for the morning of the test is to read something just for a couple of minutes because I don't think it's a good idea to show up and have the test be the first thing you're reading, the first time your brain is, you know, engaging with words on a piece of paper. So I think just read something, even if it's fun, a children's book, even just read something in the morning while you're eating that healthy breakfast. I think that's really important. I'm a huge proponent of getting that good night's sleep. And I would even say start that the week before, because I know if you're someone with really poor sleep habits, trying to go to bed early one day completely out of the blue usually isn't super effective. But if you start going to bed a little earlier every night, a week before the test, I think that tends to be a little bit more effective for you. Okay. So it's like when when you were little and getting on a sleep schedule and your mom and dad had to like put you to sleep a little earlier and a little earlier till you started kindergarten. It's kind of like yeah. that, but condensed. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That brings me to another point. Uh, I don't want your students or I don't want parents out there. I don't want you telling your students that they have to keep up with their friends. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times, maybe these friends didn't get the best score, right? Did you physically see their scores? So if you're telling them your scores and they're kind of saying, oh, that's a horrible first score. I got this. I 
mean, my personal thing is maybe they didn't or, you know, maybe don't let that affect you. Everyone moves at their own pace. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that it's natural for this to happen or you you hear what one person did and so you decide that that's the key and everyone has to do this. I had a family three years ago who came to me and they said, well, our neighbor took a full practice test every single day up until, you know, I guess it was like the week before the actual testing date. Um, and so actually, I think it was even more than that. It was like Monday, he did one practice test. Tuesday, he took two full practice tests. Oh, wow. Tests. Like he was skipping school. He was staying home. Not so, advisable. Exactly. <laughs> so they came to me and they said, and they were just completely, like completely straight faced and serious about this. And they said, so we're pulling our son out of school for the next week so that he can do all of these practice tests. And I just thought that was a terrible idea. Again, maybe it worked for that one student, but if that's not how you student operates, which in this case it was not, um, I don't think that just trying to blindly replicate something that someone else did just to chase a rumor of a score that they maybe did or didn't get, I don't think that's the healthiest thing for the student. I think um, when we're talking about tests like this with the, the SAT or the ACT, slow and steady wins the race. I think doing a little bit of preparation on a constant basis and really pacing yourself is much more effective. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I keep thinking back to the fact that our podcast today is titled Didn't Do So Well on Your SAT, Now What? Uh, but for those students out there who feel that they did very well on their first try, I, I think this is something that you want to look at as well. Uh, we discussed a little earlier how good versus bad SAT scores are quite subjective, uh, but it is my belief that even if you feel you did really, really well your first time, If you're following our advice and getting started early with this college preparation, uh, maybe taking this test for the first time, end of sophomore year, beginning of junior, uh, the chances are that you probably haven't finalized your college list yet. So how do you even know what your college is looking for? Uh, I think that's a great starting point is maybe there's always room for improvement, right? Uh, What do you think about that, Erin? Yeah, of course. Um, Even students who maybe they score, and I've seen this, you know, in more than one case where students the first time around, maybe they score, you know, 700 per section, so a 1,400 total, and they think, well, that's good enough. I'm just not going to take the test again. But what they don't realize is even at that top level, um, getting 10 more points or 20 more points on your SAT could translate to thousands more in merit scholarship money, depending on the school. So every school's a little bit different, and it certainly can't hurt you at that point to take the test even just one more time and see if you can squeeze out any additional points that, like I said, it could translate to thousands more in merit aid. Uh, I think one other thing that we encourage is invest in some kind of help if you're able, Uh, whether that be like a self-study book or an online course. uh, We are by no means telling you to go out and spend $2,500 on this proven to work like SAT study kit. Uh, It doesn't take all of that. What we are saying and what we provide here at Ensphere is actually there's online services that we offer to anyone um, nationwide. And you are able to get on there and take, I think it's an 18-week course and then a 20-week course. Uh, 
we just strongly believe that by encouraging students to somehow invest something into this um, studying process, like Aaron said, just realize that down the road, your investment could be returned eight or tenfold in merit aid. So I guess the lesson is, you know, never develop hubris, we'll call it. We all learn that in English class. Never think you're too good, right? There's always room for improvement, even if you think those first scores are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and we call that the student doing their part. So we're big on every member of the family playing their role in the process in getting um, getting the student ready for this college journey. And the parents on their end are trying to figure out how much college will cost and how they're going to pay for that. Well, the student, what they can do, um, which is huge, is focus on getting those good grades. And like we said, the test scores, which can translate to really big merit scholarships for the right student at the right school. Um, Even just spending an hour a week is something that can pay off huge in the long run. Yeah, I would agree. And think about it. What do you spend an hour a week on? I mean, and I know as kids, like that's the last thing we want to do sometimes is haul up and study, but it is your future you're talking about. So just dedicate some time, right? Um, So to recap, right, today's episode, episode, uh, we talked about your SAT scores and how if they weren't the greatest the first time around, what do you do now, right? Now what? The first point is take them early, maybe at the end of sophomore year, very beginning of junior year. Uh, Don't just assume that your scores are so good the first time around, or like I said, don't get totally overwhelmed and and just depressed with the fact that they weren't so good. Um, Good versus bad is subjective. Colleges will look at your scores. Uh, Maybe they'll look at your best scores from each testing day. Maybe they'll look at your best overall score, Um, but a lot of students take it multiple times now. Uh, When you look at your scores, uh, look at the areas that you can improve on. And I think Aaron had a very good um, answer to the question on how to strategize where to get those extra points. Uh, Lastly, uh, invest in some kind of help and um, don't let your head get the best of you. I've got my offers. Now what? Remember, we'd love to hear from you. Be sure to email us your questions, comments, even criticisms. Our email address is cps at nsphere.cps.com. CPS as in College Planning Services. And just a reminder, check out our online Facebook college coaching community today. Ready to dive in deeper? When downloading your free gift, remember to check out our monthly membership programs and choose what's right for you today. Signing off, it's Erin and Carmela. Have a good one. College prep. Yes, college prep.